we're in this series, you ever wonder why? You ever wonder why? Uh, you ever wonder why, why God didn't answer your prayer? You ever, you ever struggle with that at all? I think we all have. Uh, we, we read the scripture, the Bible tells us this, all things are possible with God. Uh, I'm thankful because I've seen a, a couple of times in my life uh, God miraculously answer prayers. I, I think the reason we consider them miracles is because they don't happen all the time. I mean, if, if miracles, and miracles do happen, are happening all the time, but if, if, if you got miracle day after day after day after day after day, it becomes so common to you, it wouldn't be a miracle, right? But we do see God do incredible things at times, and I have in my own life a couple of things. Prayer is powerful, and prayer can also be confusing. There have been times when God answered prayer, and it was amazing, and there have been times when uh, God did not answer the prayer that I thought he would answer. He didn't answer the prayer that I thought he should answer. And it was confusing. Can you say, is it all right if we say that in church? <laughs> in Joshua chapter 10, Joshua prayed for the sun to stand still, uh, and it stood still for a whole day. I've prayed for people that I thought God was going to heal. I've prayed for people that were dying. We've had prayer groups, prayer teams, people fasted for them. They still died. In 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah called down fire from heaven. And I've been tempted to do that a couple of times. Uh, <laughs> on the 800 false prophets of Baal. And, uh, you know, I've prayed with people that are going through stuff, prayed through people that are having marriage trouble. And uh, even though I, I prayed and I believed that it was God's will for them to stay together, I think it was God's will for them to stay together. Uh, that it was God's best for them, they still didn't do it. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is absolutely powerful. God answers prayer, but it can also be confusing because there's times that God doesn't answer prayer when we think he's going to answer prayer. So we're going to talk about that today. I know, and I don't have all the answers. Uh, this may raise more questions. You know, I, I tend to do that. I tend to end up raising more questions than I do answers. So... Uh, <clears throat> We're going to talk about that today. So let's ask the Lord to help us. Lord, we come to you today and we know you're a good God and you're a faithful God and you're a caring God and you're a loving God. And in our own lives, we've seen incredible things happen and also we've seen disappointing things happen where we thought there was going to be an answer and it didn't come the way we expected it to come. But God, we, we know that you're good even when we don't understand it, sometimes it's beyond our comprehension. So, Lord, I ask you to help us today. Open our minds, open our eyes, open our ears. Help us not be blinded. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. John chapter 14, Jesus said, Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, whatever, when you read that, whatever seems like whatever. Right? I mean, doesn't it seem like he's saying whatever? <laughs> like anything? Anything you ask me in my name, I'll do it. What happens when you ask God and you knew God could and you knew you thought he would and he should, but he doesn't? Is it, did, did something go wrong? Did I not pray it right? Didn't hold my mouth right and stand on one leg? Uh, is God not listening? God just doesn't listen to me like he listens to other people? Is God mad at me? 
Does God not like me? Does he just not care? So today is winding against prayer. It's sometimes hard for us to grasp. Uh, and when we read the Bible and we read the Bible story, one of the things that we forget is that we're not the main character of the story. The story's about God. The story's not about us. The story's about our relationship with God, but it's, it's not a story about us. It's a story about how God's inviting us into his story. We're not, he's not an add-on to our story. God is inviting us into his story. We actually exist. We, we were created because God started a story. And he put himself into it, then invited us into his story. So the purpose of prayer isn't to get God to do our will. That's where we mess up sometimes. The purpose of prayer is to know God so we can do his will. So I want you to get that, because this is really what this is all. If you just remember this and sleep through the rest of it, you'll be all right. The purpose of prayer isn't to get God to do our will. The purpose of prayer is to know God so we can do his will. God isn't a spiritual Santa Claus. If you're a good boy or girl, you'll get what you want. You know, if you, uh, if you behave, you don't cause trouble, you'll get what you want. But, it, you know, if you, uh, if you cuss or you, or you mess up... <clears throat> <laughs> you flip off somebody on the way to church. It happens. I know. I mean, I don't know personally. But I've been riding with people that I know. No. Uh, it happens. Uh, that, you know, instead of getting your prayers answered, you're going to love a cold. He's not our Santa Claus. He's, he's not a drive through God. You know, you have a need, just drive up, press a button. Place your order, get what you want. Hope not, because I've never had a time they hardly didn't mess up your order anyway. God's not a, a button to be pushed, but he is a relationship to be pursued. He created us to love us and for us to know his love and to be a part of his eternal family. Because the purpose of prayer isn't to get God to do our will. The purpose of prayer is to know God so we can do his will. You getting that? So Jesus said, do anything I ask. Now here's the problem. You never want to develop your theology and interpretation of the Bible based on one verse. You don't pluck a verse out of the Bible. You know, one of, one of my favorites is Jeremiah 29, 11. Anybody know what Jeremiah 29, 11 says? I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, to give you a future and a hope. You know what the context of that verse is? That's a great verse, and it's true. But God is writing to Israel in captivity in Babylon, and he says, after 70 years, this is the context, after 70 years, I'm going to come and take you back to the land. I'm going to take you back to Israel because I know that I have the plans that I have for you to give you a future and a hope. Now, most of us, when we're praying, if God says, yes, I'm going to do that in 70 years, that's not a good answer for us. Because we're thinking, that's going to be great for my grandkids. 
but I'm going to be dead. Right? So, so it's important that when we read something, we don't take it. We realize there's a context that, uh, that it's written in context. It's who wrote it, you know, what is the historical context, what, what, was, the, what was it like, and then we were going to use the Bible to interpret the Bible. We're going we're gonna to use all of the Bible to interpret. A, if we have a verse that troubles us, we're going to try to see all of that through the Bible. So why didn't God answer my prayers? Uh, so the first answer that I have for that is I don't know. I don't have all the answers, and I don't think anyone does. Why God didn't answer any specific prayer in a specific way. But I know this. That God answers prayers just the way you would if you knew everything that God knows. So scripture gives us four possible reasons. There's actually more than four, but I'm going to hit on these four. Uh, four possible reasons why maybe your prayer hasn't been answered. Number one, maybe you have a broken relationship. Not with God, but with people. In Mark chapter 11, verse 22 and Jesus answered them, saying to them, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted to him. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you ask and pray, believe that you have received them, and you will be, they will be granted to you. Whenever you stand praying, Forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions. Jesus seems to be saying that our relationship with others matters when we pray. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, if, you know, you've got teenagers, if you've had kids or you've got kids now, if your kids are in there doing what kids love to do, which is they love to fight with each other. All age kids love to fight with each other. And when they do that, and they're in there picking on each other or fighting with each other, or they won't share. Uh, if they come running into you and say, hey, 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 uh, can we stay up late tonight? And you're thinking, no, I'm thinking about putting you to bed right now. I know it's just 3 o'clock, but I think we can work it out. Uh, uh, can, can we go over to a friend's house? What's the answer? No. Can we go to a movie? No. Why, why is the answer no? Because you're not doing what I told you to do. I told you to get along. We're a family. Love each other. Quit picking on each other. You know, remember what Jesus said. Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another even as I have loved you so that you also love one another. So Jesus doesn't say just love one another as you love yourself. That's a good standard. He said, no, love each other the way I have sacrificially laid down my life and proved to you that I love you. Love each other that way. So your relationship with people could reflect and impact your relationship with God. Matthew 5, 23. Therefore, if you're presenting your offering at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. So he's saying, if there's a relationship problem, deal with that before you come to God. Put it first. In 1 Peter 3, 7, listen to this. You husbands, 
In the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker, weaker, since she is a woman. Well, that's a dangerous verse, isn't it? And show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Now, it's not saying that women are weaker. It says treat her like she is. Because she's not. Just don't test her. (laughs) I mean, often Gary Smalley uses this illustration that so... So the way you would treat a woman is that you realize that this is a treasure. This is something to be honored. This is, you know, there's difference between a a solo uh, cup and a china glass, crystal glass, not china glass, crystal glass. Now, the solo cup is a little more durable, easy to throw away and abuse, but it's not near as beautiful as the crystal glass that is fragile. So what what he's saying is you need to treat your wife, treasure her, value her, treat her the way she needs to be treated, live with her in an understanding way, which he said, he said, obviously, what Paul is saying, Peter, I'm sorry, Peter's saying, obviously you don't understand women, right? (laughs) Anybody here agree with that? Okay. He says, but... But treat her the right way so that your prayers will not be hindered. God won't answer your prayers if you aren't treating your wife right. Relationship is important to God. 1 John 4.20. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. John's kind of like laying it out there, right? For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that one who loves God should love his brother also, if you're a racist, don't expect God to answer your prayers. I didn't say it. The Bible says it. We have, we have to love everybody. If we're not loving everybody, then we're violating God's word. If, if you can't love your brother who you can see, how, how in the world do you think you're going to love God who you can't see? So why didn't God answer my prayer? It's possible you have a broken relationship that's affecting your relationship with God. It's not because he doesn't love you, but because he does, he will discipline us for disobedience. Did you know that God loves you, whom the Lord loves? He disciplines? So the first one is that maybe there's a relationship that you need to repair so that it's, it's hindering your ability to have prayers answered. Number two, you may have the wrong motives. We can pray from wrong motives. The Pharisees often prayed, Jesus said, just to be seen. They would pray these big, showy, public prayers, you know, so that people would notice them. When you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. Or the, the whole purpose of prayer was that they weren't even really talking to God. They just want people to notice that they were praying. And that's why, you know, people always make fun of me uh, for a lot of things. But uh, (laughs) one of the things that they make fun of me about is that when we eat, I'll always pray short prayers like, thank you, Jesus, for this food. Amen. And they think, well, the fat boy's hungry. Uh, 
<laughs> but that's, that's that, you know, the Bible says Jesus just took the bread and blessed it. And he, he, he said, thank you, Lord, for this food. You know, there's a, there's a place for long prayers. It's not while we're waiting to eat. There's a place to, to intercede and call out to God and think about every missionary you ever thought about. It's not while we're waiting to eat. You should pray long prayers in private. Short, you know, don't, not, we don't try to pray long prayers to impress the people. That, oh, almighty God, our precious heavenly Father. See, there's a way, you know, where you can try to impress. We, that's not what we're trying to do. We're communicating with the God who loves us, with our friend and our father. It's not to impress. So sometimes we can be like the Pharisees. We're just doing it, you know, we're praying these long, showy prayers. They don't really mean anything to us. We're just trying to impress. Have you ever prayed selfish prayers? I know I have. Matthew 6, 10. Jesus said, pray this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, which means our prayer should be not according to our will, but his will. So, you know, a lot of times we say, Lord, bless my business, but I'm, we're not willing to tithe or give. They want God to be generous with them, but they don't want to be generous with God. Or James 4, 3, you ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Prayer, our prayer list is often just a me list. We're praying, you know, bless my life, bless my children, bless my, bless my, bless my hair that'll be thicker, you know. I want my nails to grow longer, you know. I want my income to be higher. We're just praying all of these things. It's, it's a me list. It's not, a, it's not what God's will is. It's not his will. Instead of a he list, it's a me list, and we miss what God is saying to us. So, you have to think about what prayer should be bathed in the purposes of God. Now, does God care about everything you're going through? Absolutely. And he will answer those things. It's almost like God wants you to not pray about those things. And instead, he, he even says it this way, pray one for another that you may be healed. Wait a minute. You mean the way to get healing is to pray for other people? See, to not be us focused, me focused, but other focused, the way Jesus is, the way God is, that's the way God works and answers prayer. Don't be selfish. Number three, maybe when you prayed, your faith was weak. I mean, <laughs> right? I've had a lot of weak faith a lot of different times. When they came to the crowd, a man came to Jesus, falling on his knees before him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic. <laughs> I know some of you feel that at times. <laughs> and he's very ill, for he often falls into the fire and often in the water. I brought him to your disciples. They could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, you know, sometimes we think, you know, Jesus, meek and mild, and we don't see the true picture of Jesus. I love I loved Jesus' answer here. I wouldn't have loved it if I was there. But I love being, seeing the disciples getting in trouble. You remember? <laughs> You remember when you were young, uh, when, when we first got married, when we first got married, we didn't have children, and, and then uh, when, when kids would act up and get in trouble, I still, bef before we had children, 
you still get that, you have that feeling inside that, that you got when you were getting in trouble and you identify with the child. And even though, even though you're not a child any longer, you're like, oh, I hate to see that. I'm sorry to see that happen. Then you have kids. And you say, you're like, you're at Walmart and there's a kid wailing and the parents are like sneaking around the corner and trying to discipline him. And you're like, get him, get him. <laughs> Total change. So that's the way I'm with the disciples. And Jesus answered him and said, you unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? <laughs> Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked him and the demon came out of him and the boy was cured at once. And the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not drive it out? And he said to them, because of the littleness of your faith. For truly, I say to you, if they have faith of the size of a mustard seed, he said, it doesn't take a lot of faith. We often think, oh, it takes great faith. He said, Jesus said, no, it just really takes a little bit of faith in me. Not, it doesn't take great faith. It just takes a little bit of faith. For truly, I say to you if, you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. But this kind does not come out except by prayer and fasting. We all have, at any given time, can have weak faith. The disciples, think about this. The disciples had seen every kind of prayer answered. They'd seen blind eyes opened. I mean, <laughs> one of my favorite stories is that there's a man born blind, and Jesus spat on the ground and made mud and put it in his eyes. <laughs> Very, very unconventional way to heal somebody, right? And saying this, he spat on the ground and put it on his eyes, and he said, go and wash. When he washed, his, he was made whole. They'd seen this. They'd seen uh, the dead raised. They were there when Lazarus walked out. They'd seen the lame walk. People who had never walked, ever, ever walked, were walking. They'd seen lepers healed, not just healed, but restored. What leprosy does is that leprosy causes you to, to not have feeling. And in a rough world that they lived in, people would end up getting infections and uh, they would get a sore on their foot. They'd be untreated. They wouldn't know they had a sore because they couldn't feel the sore on their foot. And they would lose a foot. They would lose a hand. They would lose an ear. They would lose a nose. It was a disfiguring disease. And not only did they see lepers healed, but they saw lepers get back what they lost, which is they were restored, which is amazing. But here, so they've seen Jesus do incredible things. They're still struggling. I want to tell you that what Jesus said, this kind does not come out except by prayer and fasting, that they're is a prayer that prepares us to pray. It is the prayer before the prayer. I think sometimes we miss this. He's saying, before you prayed for this demon to come out, you should have already talked to God and known what to say to get this demon to come out. You should have prepared yourself in prayer. Here's what Here's what it says about Jesus. You can read this about Jesus over and over throughout the Gospels. But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. 
So when Jesus then the next day encountered these thousands, hundreds, tens of people, lots of, all kinds of people that needed healing, he didn't heal everybody. He healed a lot of people, but he didn't heal everybody because we know that later there were people like that Peter healed at the gate beautiful, that Jesus must have walked by a bunch of times. Jesus didn't heal him, but later Peter and John say, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk because it wasn't God's timing. It wasn't God's will yet, and Jesus was aware of God's timing and God's will and God's purpose primarily. That was his sole thing, and so he would pray before he prayed. So why do we need to pray before we pray? He said, you know, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. You know, we always think of fasting this way. Fasting, you know, you think, well, you know, God, I went without a meal. You owe me. That's not the way fasting works. You know, I skipped breakfast, God. I'm going to lay this prayer before you. And I think, you know, you got to understand this. Nothing you ever do ever creates debt or obligation with God. Everything we get from God is a gift by grace. It's not because he owes us. You got up today and you're not dead. You, you know, if you were dead, you wouldn't have noticed. You got up today. Today's a gift. If you get today, it's a gift. God didn't owe you today. God, God doesn't owe you a long life. He doesn't owe you a prosperous life. He, so this is why we should be just like, blubbering on the floor thankful like the the woman who's washing Jesus feet with her tears because she understood what Jesus had done for her sometimes I think we don't understand what's truly happened to us so we need to pray before we pray so we sometimes we think when we fast then you know I'm gonna fast a lot of people fast today for more for fitness reasons than for spiritual reasons but when we fast, we think God owes me. But think about it this way. You're sitting in this room right now, and without being aware of it, uh, you're being bombarded by literally thousands of different radio waves at different frequencies. Now, 20 years ago, uh, well, no, 100 years ago, <laughs> There were, no, there were hardly any man-made ones. There were just the ones that were naturally occurring coming out of space caused by, by objects in space. There were, there were just naturally occurring RF waves, radio frequency waves. But now, as you sit here, you're being bombarded by all kinds. I mean, you could... And the way we know is that if we pulled a radio out, just a little portal, portable transistor radio, we could switch that on and tune it to different stations. Because those radio waves are hitting us right here today. We're, I mean, we're aware of them. And, and your cell phone's working. So you're, you know, you can see, you can use your cell phone. You can, there are waves, cellular waves. It's all there. What, what does fasting do? Fasting is a radio that tunes us to God's frequency. Fasting helps us get ourselves in tuned to what God is saying. So he's saying this kind doesn't come out except by prayer and fasting. It tunes our heart 
When we pray before we pray, it tunes our heart to God and his will so that when we pray, we're not praying our will or what we think is good or our good intentions, but we're praying God's will and purpose because we understand it. James chapter 5, verse 17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he earnestly prayed that it would not rain, did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. How did Elijah know what to pray? Well, in Deuteronomy, it says, if these people rebel against God, I'm, I'm running out of time, so I'm going to cut some stuff short, okay? So Elijah, the Lord said in Deuteronomy, this is the promise of God. If these people rebel against me, I'm going to cause it to not rain. So he knew the word of God, but he didn't know the timing of God. Sometimes we know what God says, what God wants to do, but we don't know God's timing. And so he prayed and he sought God. And when, in seeking God, he understood God's word and his will. And so he was able to pray to, for God to shut up the heavens, and he did. So, so we need to make sure, have we prayed and do we understand? Have we prayed before we prayed so that when we prayed, we knew what to pray? So that when we prayed, we just didn't pray what we wanted to pray or we wanted to see happen, but we had a greater understanding and a greater revelation to the Word and through prayer of what God's will was in this specific situation so that we knew how to pray. Number four, maybe God has something different. Maybe God has something different. This is the confidence, 1 John 5, which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that if he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that he will give us. We have the request which we've asked from him. Maybe God has something different for you that is his will. The apostle Paul had something that he called a thorn in the flesh uh, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation. For this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. We don't know what the thorn of the flesh was. It might have been an eye problem. It might have been malaria. It could have been, it could have been epilepsy. It could have been a speech disability. It could have been a person. It could have been person conflicts. He said, Alexander the coppersmith has done me great harm. Uh, it says he pleaded with the Lord three times. I don't, think, I don't think this is a three ask, like, God, take this away from me. I think this is, a, this is three seasons of prayer. That he asked the Lord three different times for three seasons of prayer. That he sought the Lord. He asked the Lord that because he says this was tormenting him. Now, this guy's preached the gospel for 30 years, Jesus had called him specifically to take the gospel to the Gentiles, and he's preached the gospel for 30 years to every major city in the Mediterranean basin. He's been shipwrecked three times. He's been beaten. He's been stoned and left for dead. He's been imprisoned. He says that he fought wild beasts at Ephesus. He wrote a third of the New Testament. He was eventually beheaded, probably by Nero. He wrote verses like this, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. I mean, like, if you've got a coffee cup verse, it's probably one of Paul's. I mean, he wrote it, but here's the reality. Here's what God said to him. God said, my grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses 
so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. His relationships were good. His motives were pure. His faith was strong. God said no. Sometimes God has something different, and we don't always understand it in the moment. He said this, my grace is sufficient for you. Sometimes we're going to pray for stuff. We're going to pray, Lord, I want this house. I really like this house. I love this house. I can afford this house, I think. Uh, I think, and we don't get the house or the job or the person that we asked to marry us. And in the moment, in the moment, in the moment when you get a no, because when you get a no, you don't, nobody likes to get a no. You say, God, this is what I'd really like to happen. And I don't see any reason why it shouldn't happen. I think it's your will to happen. I believe your word is true about it. I want it to happen. And God says, no. He said, in the no, in the no, my grace is sufficient for you. That even if God says no, he's still good and he's still God. In the moment, you may not get what you want. But here's what I found out. If you look at the long arc of your life, in the moment, sometimes you'll think, oh, this is really disappointing. I don't understand this. I don't like it. But in the long arc of your life, you will see that often when God has something different, it's better than what you can see right now. I believe God can. I believe God will. But even if he doesn't, I still believe. See, because the purpose of prayer isn't to get God to do our will. The purpose of prayer is to know God so that he can, we can do his will. Amen? All right, let's stand. I think the worship team may be it. Worship team back there? Anybody back there? Worship team. Uh, see, I didn't use them for a couple of weeks, and they gave up on me. Never mind, it's too late now. So, are relationships hindering your prayer life? Are wrong motives hindering your prayer life? Is weak faith hindering your prayer life? Maybe God has something else. Maybe God wants you to hear today, my grace is sufficient. The strength, you see, you know what grace is? Grace is the unmerited favor of God, but grace is also a divine enablement, an empowerment. He says, my power is sufficient for you. My enablement is sufficient for you. So wherever you are, let's just give it to God. Let him help us today. Lord, we love you, and we believe that you're a good God, and you're a faithful God, and that you answer prayer, but sometimes when you don't, we don't understand. So Lord, we pray today, if there's an impediment today in our own life, if it's because there's a relationship barrier, 
Lord, help us to see that and deal with that and remove that. If it's a, a motive barrier, Lord, we, we don't want to pray selfish, self-centered me prayers. We want to pray the kingdom of God prayers, the will of God prayers, the purposes of God prayers. We want to be about bigger stuff than just us. Lord, we just pray. Lord, if, if, our, if our motives aren't right, Lord, if our faith is weak, Help us, Lord, to have faith, just a, just a little bit of faith. It doesn't take a lot of faith. It just takes a little bit of faith to trust in you, Lord, and do great things. Lord, we just thank you that you're a good God. And if you're doing something different, if it's something different, Lord, give us the strength, the grace, the ability, to, even though we don't see it, even we don't like it, to trust in you because your grace is sufficient. And when 